The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome to Intuitive Connections, where spirituality and psychology meet to help you be your best and brightest self. I'm your host, Victoria Shaw, and in each episode, I'll help you to awaken your own inner wisdom, step into your power, and live a more divinely inspired life. You're here to let your inner light shine. Are you ready? Let's do this. All right. Hello and welcome to Intuitive Connection. Today we have a guest again, and I'm so, so excited about this one. We have Corby Mitlied. Mitlied. Oh my God, I had it right before. Mitlied. <laughs> I had it perfect. When someone speaks German, they immediately see the EI and they know it's Mitlied. But if you don't speak German, it's okay. You're the bomb. I had it right before we hit record, but see, this is how life works sometimes. Corby Mitlied. And Corby is a psychic, a channel, a medium, and has been doing readings since 1973. She's also the author of three books and has been featured in two of my favorite books, Your Soul's Plan and Your Soul's Gift by Robert Schwartz. So we're going to get to hear a little bit about that experience and the work that she does that led into those mentions, those shout outs and the work she did for that book. And Corby, welcome. It's good to be here. And are you aware that Rob has a third book out now? I am aware that Rob has a third book out there now. Your Soul's Love, and I was yeah. involved in that one too. Ah, I didn't know that. All right. I am about halfway through that one. So mm-hmm. yeah. And those books for me, and I, I got to them, I want to say maybe about 10 years ago. It was mm-hmm. a complete and total game changer for me. That idea that we plan our lives before we're born. I mean, it was it was a huge light bulb moment. It was guided. His books just kept popping up in my like Amazon suggestions and I kept seeing it and going, yeah, no, yeah, no. Okay, finally, yeah, I'll buy the book. Spirit was hitting you upside the head with a clue brick, woman. Yeah, no, it definitely was. And that's a big part of the work that I do now too, because I get you know that information for people. So it was also like a great skill set to have, but it really changed everything about the way that I viewed my life and life and how life is supposed to work. So I'd love to hear your experience. Like, how did you first start doing this soul planning reading? And Okay. Let's get a couple of, of definitions right. Okay. There are two of us that have appeared in all three of Rob's books. One of them is my good buddy, Stacy Wells. I introduced her to Rob back in the 2000s uh, and me. Stacy is the one that sees the actual pre-birth planning session. She is what I call your brilliant technical surgeon. She goes and says, take a look at this. 
I'm more your priest inspirer storyteller. What I did for Rob is I was his chief past life expert. And I also found that I had the ability to channel people's souls for them to talk to. Right. Had no idea I could do that. I'm also the only one I believe who's been in his books from both sides of the fence. I am actually the person named Doris in the first book under physical illness. That's my story. That's how we knew I could channel souls because I channeled my own for Rob. Wow. What I love about what Rob shows us is there are five types of karmic lessons, if you will. Um, That's different from his divine virtues, but the five pieces of karma that we deal with, unbalanced energy, which is a neutral, healing, service, contrast, you want to learn about abundance, you have to be both rich and poor, and healing of beliefs. It's not carrot and stick, which is why karma is so misunderstood. And the story that I personally love to use is one that is an example of a courageous soul who came in service. That's Ryan White. Now, Ryan White was a teenager who died at 18 from AIDS in the late 80s, early 90s, before we knew anything about it. He had gotten it from a blood transfusion, but everyone treated him like a pariah and they were nasty to his family. But all of a sudden, he met Elton John. Now, Elton at this point was deep into drink and drugs and a lifestyle that was going to kill him in short order. But he befriended Ryan and his mother, and the friendship was so meaningful to Elton that when Ryan died, Elton played at his funeral. That pushed Elton to get off the drink and the drugs, and he's been sober for over 30 years, and create the Elton John AIDS Foundation, which since that time has raised half a billion dollars for people with AIDS and HIV worldwide. Now, if Elton had not met Ryan, who knows if that would have happened? So my understanding is that Ryan said, short life, difficult life, but look what I could do if I'm willing to partner with the soul of Elton John or Reg Dwight and make it happen. Oh, I just felt that. Okay, I've done the cancer dance three times. Doesn't mean I'm bad. It means that my chief lesson this time was to learn how to be in a female body and not judge it, not use sex as a bargaining chip. And I was given cancer twice, but still maintained the figure. Still hadn't quite learned everything. So spirit said, look, we need you down there to do teaching work. So we're going to remove the problem. It was the second primary, which brings the danger factor back to zero. But the doc said, all right, three strikes are out. We're taking the rack and we're taking the ovaries. And you're going to go from this Dolly Parton figure to a fat fire plug with permanent side effects in three weeks. Suck it up. That was 2004. Here I am at 66. I'm fine. So the lesson was learned, the work is being done, and I teach with what I learned doing the cancer dance. Beautiful. It's really beautiful. And I think, you know, you brought up people sometimes misunderstanding, and even I sometimes have to remind myself, is that we often think like when you have an experience or when you make a mistake or, you know, I always say earth is an experiential realm. We learn by doing. Mm-hmm. And we learn by the consequences of our actions, but some of us have this human idea that, you know, you did this and now you're a bad girl and you're getting punished and that consequence is a bad thing. It's a neutral thing. It's simply cause and effect. It's simply just understanding if I, you know, move left, I have this experience. If I move right, I have this experience, right? It's totally neutral. And life is always supporting you. We're not puppies weeing on a carpet so we get our noses whacked in the newspaper. We're just not. I live what I call the examined life. Whatever happens to me, okay, 
It's a thing. How am I going to handle it? When it's over, how can I teach with it? Next. Because to be perfectly honest, a lot of people that have had cancer, that's the first thing you know about them. I'm selling someone. I had cancer. I did this. I talk about it if someone else is going through cancer or I use it as an example. It's not how I live my life. I have far more interesting things to do and to be. So I don't get stuck in my story. I'm who I am. And that also changes. So let's shift a little bit because I'm so curious. What's it like to channel someone's higher self or your higher self? How does that feel and look to you? I don't know because I'm not here. (laughs) Um, Seriously, my ego goes and reads a magazine somewhere. And that's how I know I'm really channeling. Perfect example. In Your Soul's Gift, Rob did a chapter, I think, on miscarriage and abortion. And I have certain ways I think about it. And when Rob sent me in a pre-copy of the book, I called him. I said, Rob, what is this crap? That would not have come out of my mouth. And he said, would you like me to play the recording? And I go, no, I guess not. But what that means is what I said is believed and true and was needful to the person I was channeling it for, even if I believe differently. All right, let's say you have a channel who is Jewish. And she channels for a Roman Catholic nun. And the Roman Catholic nun, her soul is completely wrapped up in Jesus. What she would say as the soul is not what would come out of the mouth of Shirley DeVore. But there you go. And that doesn't mean that the nun or Shirley are right or wrong. God owns the grocery store, guys. And he does not care if you come in through the health and beauty aids, the deli or the floors, just get in there. I love that. And so when you do this work, you're not a conscious channel. It just comes through and you find out what you said afterwards. Mm -hmm. Now, when I do mediumship channeling, that's a little different. I'm aware of it there. But when I literally channel someone else's soul, I cannot let my ego tangle up the shoelaces and trip both of us. So it goes, it's it. Got it. Makes sense. I love it. All right. I ask everyone this question. So I feel like I'm going to ask it to you now. How do you experience your intuition? And I'm guessing it's different depending on what you're doing. It is. Sometimes you just get that clue brick upside the head. When I'm reading tarot cards, it just comes out of the mouth. Perfect example. There is a card in tarot that's known as the Three of Pentacles. This is the Tarot Illuminati deck. So it's, it's slightly Asian in feel, but in most decks, it's stained glass window in a church and someone's working on the stonework and it's long-term and it's mastery, et cetera, et cetera. But when I was reading for a client up in Canada, they were there with their partner. And I said, apropos of that card, there's a deconsecrated or abandoned church. And that's where you need to open up a cafe bakery. (laughs) They looked at each other and went, yeah, we know which one we've been arguing for two years. Intuition just said, excuse me, I'm taking your mouth (laughs) is what it did. When I do mediumship, it is different than what you see at Lilydale. All right. I mean, there are some people that just tune in and download. The best one I ever knew, God rest her fabulous soul, was Allie Cheslick. Allie lived around here in Albany, New York, and we called her Chatty Kathy of the Dead because she was, probably still is. I get the dog tags. For instance, my father, Jerome Richard Dorkin, who died in 2001 at the age of 80, gets me right into the energy. And then it's like, my spirit guides play charades with me. I don't know if people are going to see this or what, but they'll make a gesture that means this person smoked. They'll do a gesture that says this person had surgery. They'll do a gesture that said it was a fast death. And when I let them do that, it gives me some amazing information. There was a woman who wanted to speak to her grandfather. 
And all of a sudden I find myself miming a pool cue. He taught her how to play pool. Father-in-law had died and he comes in and he salutes. Now, Americans salute with a palm down. Brits and Canadians, and this was in Canada, salute with a palm out. She had just graduated from the Royal Canadian Mounted Police Academy. And he was acknowledging that. See, this is not, it's a rose that they love you. This is stuff that these people have a specific meaning for. And once they go, yep, that's Uncle Danny, then I open up and I will say exactly what Uncle Danny wants them to know. I will not censor, which is why I will never do a mediumship gallery live. Because some of what has come out of my mouth is not appropriate for public. Yeah. And it's not fair to the client. So mediumship, I do one-on-one. Past lives, I'll do in a gallery. That's easy for me. But mediumship is private. No, I think that makes sense. And I also think it's sort of what your gift is, where the information comes and what your particular service is with respect to, you know, what you do, right? And it's going to be different for everybody. Yes. I mean, spirit looks at what you got and puts together the recipe. For instance, a lot of people will use a pendulum. I have a benign tremor in my right hand, which is my dominant hand. I wouldn't trust what I got. On the other hand, theater major at Brown University, an actress in New York, so I know what it is to build character. Words are my drug of choice, so I know how to tell the story. And I'm a history freak. My husband is a museum director. So if you went to two people and you said, I have a past life question, one person might say, well, I see you in a long skirt and a big hat, so I know it's old fashioned. I could say, okay, you're female hobble skirt, picture hat, that kind of ostrich feather, and you're standing in front of the Brandenburg Gate, so that's probably about 1911. Which one's going to give you more information? Yeah, that's amazing. And you know, when I teach intuition development too, that's what I tell people because sometimes someone will read like a book like yours or they'll go to a reading with someone like me and they'll be like, I want to do that. And I'm always like, no, 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 no. You have to do you. We're all unique. And you know, exactly. Spirit's going to work with what you have. Mm-hmm. to share. And that's actually what you're here to do anyway, right? Your life's purpose is to express you mm-hmm. and express your own uniqueness and your own authenticity and to do it your way. So I always teach people, you know, get out of the way and 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 figure out your way of doing it because you're already mm-hmm. doing it. It's just a matter of doing it more consciously, more intentionally and with more, you know, love, joy and authenticity. Yes, but I will always tell people, I'm not special. You can do what I do because it's the Swami Swalandas and the Madam Hoo-Hahs of the world that go, my aura don't stink. I'm the only one you should see. Yeah. Oh, please. Now that's ego. Yes. I would run far from that. And let's talk about that because that was one of the topics that you had reached out wanting to talk about and you've written a whole book on this, correct? Mm Mm-hmm. You know, how to know who's the real deal, how to know who to go to. And also we talked about this before uh, we hit record because I often think, look, I teach people all the time. You have all the answers within you. I say it at the beginning of every session. I say, I am the mouthpiece right now, but they're your answers and you got to decide what to do with them. But I teach people, you can find the answers within, but, you know, come and pay me money to tell them to you. Well, sometimes, look. I love listening to piano music. I don't want to learn to play. Some people love intuitive guidance. They don't want to learn to ground center shield, meditate and read cards. That's fine. That's what we're here for. So the book is called Psychic Yellow Brick Road, How to Find the Real Wizards and Avoid the Flying Monkeys. But the back says good psychic guidance is art. Don't settle for a forgery. Now, the thing that I make very clear right away is 
I don't care if you ever come to me when you buy this book. If this helps you get a good reading from somebody in Des Moines, Iowa, all boats rise. You will stay safe. You will think intuitive work is a good thing. And the first couple of chapters are how to choose a good psychic. Then there's how to prepare for a great psychic session. What questions are not going to be useful? Pay fair to play fair. The thing that delighted me most is not only are rookies walking in grateful for the book, but a lot of psychics had come to me and said, God, I wish I had this book when I was starting out. It would have made my business so much easier because it teaches us what we can and cannot do. It's written down. Right. And look, when we do what we do, one of the major things, 95% is, does Bruce love me? They all come and they want to know the romantic stuff. But there are some people who are so determined to get the answer they want, they go to psychic, to psychic, to psychic, or they keep trying to manipulate the person they're with. Like, does Bruce think about me? No. Has he ever thought about me? Not the way you want. If I do such and such, will he think about me? No. He's going to call soon. He isn't. Well, if he's not going to call soon, he's going to call later. And they keep beating on you, hoping that eventually the psychic will say, yes, yes, he loves you and he wants seven babies with you, but he doesn't know it yet. Oh, good. I thought so. Whack. (laughs) Don't waste my time and your money, honey. Yeah, I don't get a lot of that, but I think it's because I put the counseling piece together. So I'll just tell him like- Do you do a lot of psychic fairs? I don't do any psychic fairs. I've never done one Boom, of those. That's where it happens. That's where I would get it. <laughs> yes. And the free reading hours that I do. And I just educate people in the session. I let people know, hey, you know, here's your motivation for wanting to know that. But here's what I'm going to give you instead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Because a lot of times sure. there's a reason why you want and you're fixated that way. Let's let's look at that. And then you'll be mm-hmm. able to have freedom, peace, and joy in your relationship. So wouldn't that be nice? And I teach people not to ask yes or no questions. Okay. Because you know where to go. You ask what empowers you. For instance, if you ask me, is my new vintage clothing store going to be a success? I look at you and go, what if I said no? And you're going to lose everything and live in a box under a bridge. Wrong question. So I have an entrepreneur spread, a card for them, a card for any partners. Energy around the business, the brick and mortar location, marketing clients, competition, staff finances, what they need to know and best possible outcome. Really juicy, deep dish. Now, why can I do that? Because I used to be an executive recruiter and I counseled people in jobs for years. And I see no reason why if my left brain has information that will help my client, why I can't marry that in with the intuition in the wiki book. My job is to be of service, not to prove to them my aura don't stink. (laughs) I love that. I mean, and that's what I do too, right? I use my training in counseling and psychology, but I always explain to people, for me, it's like a file cabinet. Like most people, what they do is you come to them with a problem, they use their left brain, they go through the file cabinet, they try to do their little flow chart and figure out how they can solve the problem with the tools they have in their file cabinet. But for me, the file cabinet is one of many tools. And sometimes my guides will open a drawer and they'll be like, you know this, tell them. And mm-hmm. so I will. Exactly. And, you know, that's how I encourage everyone to live their lives as much as possible because it works really well in an intuitive counseling session, but it also just works really well, period, because your spirit knows a lot more than your mind, but your mind has stuff too. You've learned things here on earth. And so it's really about Mm -hmm. how do we leverage the things that we know in our left brain in service of our higher wisdom. Yes. And we have to unlearn a lot of stuff we learned when we were kids. Yes, ma'am. The example I give... I don't know about you, but women in their 40s and 50s, and they come to me, and they don't know what they're going to do with their lives. I said, well, what do you want? And they look blank. Yeah. 
And I say, this is why there's nothing wrong with you. When you were four, there was a plate of cookies and you were a smart four-year-old. You knew there was more in the big cookie than the little cookie. So you took that and your mother slapped her hand and said, you're bad and you're selfish. Then it was, besides girls who eat cookies get fat. You don't want to be fat, do you? Nobody likes a fat girl. And she hands it to her, your brother who eats it at you. Ha ha, I got it. To the point of when we're like six or seven, right. we're more likely taught that if we want something, we're wrong, we're bad, we'll be punished, and we have to watch somebody else get it. So we stop wanting. And it is a whole, it's like lopping off an appendage. You need passion to live your life. Don't be afraid of it. Agree. Agree a million percent. And we talk about that a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot on the show as well. And I think now, I don't know what you think, but I think now so many more people, I mean, I really think this is even a timely conversation because I mean, you've been doing this since 1973. I've been doing this since 2010. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm a newbie. But in the 11 years that I've been practicing, right, I have seen such a transformation in the people that come to me. And I've always sort of aimed high. Like most of my peeps are pretty advanced. And um, mm-hmm. so fortunately, I don't I don't have to like, I'm not in the business of proving I've, you know, that psychic stuff exists. People that come to me, they already believe it. So that that makes my life easier. But I have noticed such a difference in the rate of progress of my clients, the openness to psychic phenomenon, to all of this stuff, to talking to guides, to past lives, to whatever. I mean, it's been exponential just in the last 10 years. And I would say Mm -hmm. triple time, probably in the last two and a half, three years. So I'd love, you know, your take on that because you have a much longer perspective of having been doing this work. Yeah, I'm a boomer. Now, (laughs) chronologically, yes, I'm a boomer. This is a second career for me, just so you know. I'm not 12. <laughs> I know. But 66, and you're a boomer. Okay. Um, I think of myself more as an elder. What's the difference? Most boomers really want to hang on to their youth. I mean, look, I'll tell you, the 60s and the 70s, baby, they were the best of the best of the best. And I even love the 80s clothes. I looked good. But I'm not that person anymore. An elder understands that it is time for them to move off the stage and lift up the Gen Z millennials. We offer what we have learned so maybe they don't do the same dumb mistakes, but then it's hands off. We may not teach them the same way we were taught. We may not teach the same things that we were taught. We teach the timeless answers and we must accept that they will use them the way they think best for the world. I mean, look, when we were growing up, we never worried about the world being uninhabitable. We never worried about other Americans attacking us on our own soil. We never worried about America being a pariah in the world and China and Russia being the new powers of the century. We were Americans, man. We just thought we had it all together. But we don't. Not anymore. And from a historical point of view, this is normal. Every country seems to get a century. France had the 18th century England had the 19th century. America had the 20th century. This is the 21st. There will be other major powers. So you can't just rely on what your parents knew the way we could. You have to find your own worldview. You have to find your own way in the world. So people are learning fast that they have to look outside the physical in order to survive what's coming. 
And that doesn't mean you have to believe that Jesus is your personal savior. You just have to know that there are skills you have that in a hundred years may be merely science, but now it's wiki woo. It's magic. It's spirituality. Yeah. And I love what you said too, because I believe too in a hundred years or 200 years, or maybe even sooner, it will be science. It's already science. It's just that the scientists, you know, have their blinders on right now. Mm-hmm. We had another guest on the show not so long ago, and I don't know when this is going to go live, but probably after that one, who did an amazing book on all of the research for psychic phenomenon, because it's really mm-hmm. good. And as a former psychological researcher and someone who's published and, and done the whole science thing, you know, it blows my mind how strong that research is. And I think it's just the beginning. It's just the beginning of understanding the world in a whole new way. It is. And the, the tiny thing that I use to explain it to a client is there was a book called Connecticut Yankee and King Arthur's Court by Mark Twain. The guy did time travel. He had a box of matches in his pocket. Where he's from, matches are scientific. Where he went, they're sorcery. Doesn't change what the matches were. It just changed the understanding of how they were created. Yeah, that is beautiful. And that is a great analogy. Corby, when someone is looking to get a reading, to work with a psychic, work with a medium, Mm -hmm. what do you tell them? What are the first steps? What do they need to know? Well, they need to know what they want to know. Okay. Because just like doctors, we have specialties. You would not come to me, again, for pendulum work. You would not come to me necessarily for astrology. Though, man, I know one kick-butt astrologer in York, Pennsylvania named Pat Dumas has predicted things that would curl your hair. Wow. So I would send you there. But a lot of people start out going into a psychic fair. And I tell them they have to learn to be good puppies. First, they have to do their walkies. They're going to walk around and they're going to look at all the booths and see who looks neat. Then they're going to go get paper trained. What does paper trained mean? Paper trained means we all have rack cards or flyers and you're going to pick up one from anybody who looks interesting. You're going to read them through and there'll be three or four people that you like. Go back to the booth, talk to the psychic if they're free. If they're not, talk to their front people. But remember, we hire our front people to say they love us. My first front person was my wonderful friend, Laura Spickerman. Laura was my husband's office manager Monday through Friday. She worked for me weekends. You think she's going to dismiss his museum director? Nah, probably not. So look on the table. You will see testimonial books. Are we good? Are we kind? Are we funny? Are we accurate? Do we have specialties? Children, dogs, dead people. Do people come back? But the last thing after all that is checking at heart level, guys. You are putting your hard-earned money on the table. If the psychic doesn't feel like they have a brain in their head, they really care about what they're doing, or they're going to give you good information, don't go there no matter how cool the wiki woo looks on the table. And if nobody there rings your chimes, leave without a reading, there will be another chance, I promise. Yeah. Now, how do you choose it if you are just trying to find one outside of that? Well, these days you can look online. If a friend says, well, I've been going to Binky the Magnificent for about five years and Binky's good, you would call Binky and say, hi, uh, you were suggested to me by you know, Roger Ramdet. I'm looking to have a new intuitive. You ask them questions, but then you say, could I talk to a couple of people you've read? All of us who are legitimate professionals have half a dozen people in our pockets that say, yeah, give my number, I'll tell them. Because then you can find out, is the psychic a one-trick pony? Does she always try to upsell you? Does he make moves on you if you're a girl? Ooh. You've got to do that. 
No, that's one of my big, no, no, no. <laughs> You've got, there is no better business bureau for psychics guidance. There isn't. So you have to know what's right, what's wrong, what's safe and what isn't. Okay. And I think it's important too. And I just um, was thinking on this and I would love your take on it. Mm-hmm. Many people have gifts and we all have gifts, by the way. You yep. know, we talked about this already. Everyone has intuition. It's just some of us have spent a lot of time developing it so that we can be of service to others. Mm-hmm. And people will, and you said this too, right? When you're channeling someone's higher self, you get completely out of the way because otherwise that message won't come through purely and cleanly. Right. No psychic is 100%. Do not believe anyone who tells you they're 100%. It's impossible. We are human beings and the information is coming through a human channel. It will not be perfect. What I tell people is even the best of us are 85% accurate. Yeah. The only one 100% accurate is God and he hasn't got a booth here this weekend. And they get <laughs> it, but they get it. Yeah. Exactly. But I do think that sometimes what will happen is someone will go to a psychic, the psychic will get something right, something really, really right. And then the psychic will also give them some sort of advice or some sort of future prediction. I don't do future predictions, by the way. So don't come to me for that. And they'll be like, oh my God, that must be true. Because, you know, they knew that, you know, um, when I was three years old, this happened, or they knew I was thinking about this. And then they told me, you know, I had I had a man come to me recently and he wanted, he's thinking about ending his marriage and he's interested in another woman and nothing's happened, but something about that woman, he met her and it just changed. It, it just awakened something in him, a longing in him. And he was like, you know, I'm not happy. And he went to a psychic and the psychic basically said, do not leave for that woman. If you leave from that woman, that woman's going to leave you. You're going to be miserable you're going to be, t- you know, this is the worst thing you could ever do. And <laughs> the client came back to me and I said, see, that's why I don't work that way. Right? I'm halfway between there and you. Okay. When somebody comes to me and says, I don't know what to do about my marriage. I pull a card for them, a card for their partner, card for the relationship as it stands, what they need to know and best probable outcome. If they still don't know, I say, Cal, pull the three threes. First three cards, status quo, you kind of bumble along. Second three cards, y'all have that come to Jesus meeting. Can you do serious counseling? Last three, hostile. Bye-bye. It's been nice. I'm leaving. And I will tell them what each triplet says, but I will not tell them which one to follow. Even if the cards are screaming at me, she has to leave the idiot. If she says, well, I guess I'll keep trying, zip it. There is one exception. If she lets out that she is abused or gaslighted, no. Then the psychic hat comes off, the reverend collar goes on, and we have a little pastoral counseling about that. Right, right. And that's okay. This particular person told this gentleman, it will end badly and you will come back to me and tell me I was right. And I said, that is a huge red flag. That's ego, honey bunny. <laughs> you, you think? And uh, so we had a little conversation about that. But again, some people do come to a psychic for that reassurance. Like they want someone else to tell them what to do. Now. Sometimes they get mad at what we tell them. Yeah. When I read one woman, I saw that there was a likelihood she was going to want to take in a border. And I saw a probable move. She'd want to sell her house. She looks at me and she goes, you suck. And she walks away. Okay, fine. Who's the next person in, you know, first person in my chair the next time at that venue. And she said, last time you said that I was going to take in a border. And then I'd probably want to sell my house. And I thought that was all bull. But my daughter got pregnant and moved home. And now I'm going to sell my house to help raise my grandson. And I still don't like it, but I want to know what else you see. Don't shoot the messenger, guys. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just, 
And I didn't say you will have to. I said the likelihood is this is going to come across your desk. Right. That's not fortune telling. That's be aware of this particular rock coming through your window. And again, we get the information that we get and we pass it along. And what I do when I work is I always ask for the highest information that my client is ready to receive at this moment because I feel mm-hmm. like it gets me off the hook. I can just let it all out. I can trust that this is the appropriate words, that, like it's what they need to hear. I get out of the way. And then I try to get myself out of it as well because mm-hmm. there used to be a time. There sometimes still is a time where something comes through and you're like, I don't want to say that. I know. But I've learned that nine out of 10 times when I do say it, it lands well. And when it doesn't land well, it still lands how it's supposed to. Right. To me, when we hear something upstairs and we say, but I don't want to say it, that's a red flag to us. Our ego is in the way. Yeah. Who are we to judge what this person will hear? If you need to tell them you're going to run into a plaid fire engine with a rutabaga on it, <laughs> you don't know what that means. If all of a sudden they come across a children's book from when they were three and there's that plaid fire engine with a rutabaga and it brings back right. all kinds of wonderful memories... That's what they needed to know. Somewhere there's a planned fire engine. Yep. And that brings me to another question or observation, maybe both. Because in the counseling literature, right, there is research on what are the common factors that make all forms of therapy helpful? Because we actually know therapy, just good old-fashioned, no intuitive talk therapy is actually empirically helpful. We know that. We also know that no particular form of therapy is better than anyone else across the board. People will tell you this is better than this and that, but research-wise, they're all the same. Mm -hmm. And so there's been this really interesting research on what are the common factors that make therapy effective. And one of the things that I found so fascinating is what clients remember from a session And what is impactful for them in a therapy session usually has nothing to do with what the therapist thinks is important. Mm -hmm. They'll remember all sorts of things that were meaningful to them where the therapist has this idea of, oh, we did this great work today. And the client's like, what? (laughs) And I think the same thing happens sometimes in intuitive sessions where we just give out the information. Sometimes someone will come back to me five years later and be like, you told me this thing. I don't remember telling them. I don't even think I would have said something like that. We read too many people, guys. Sorry. Right. One of the things that I do use, though, is a lot of humor. Because if they laugh, people will remember. You know that very often we have to teach people boundaries. You know, it's okay to say no, blah, blah, blah. I have so many of those that I made up a little postcard. I tell them, here is your five-word mantra. No is a fabulous idea. That is beautiful. And on the back, I've written a tale of Sid, Moses' second cousin, which is a very funny little Borscht story about why you need to learn to say no. And I say, now take this and put it on the fridge. They will remember that better than you really need to um, change your boundary level, blah, blah, blah. People love to laugh. They love stories. And there is nothing in the todlika, as my grandmother would say, that says a psychic cannot be funny and still get the same thing across. I think a psychic should be funny. And I also think it lightens the mood because this is not Mm -hmm. serious work. I mean, we might sometimes discuss serious topics, but it's not. It should be joyful and playful because that's how your soul is. It's not ponderous work is what you're saying. Yeah, it's not that either. Serious, yes. Ponderous, no. There is a fabulous comedian. His name is Steve Behrman, and he goes by Swami Beyond Ananda. Okay. And some of what he comes out with, he did a book called Spontaneous Evolution with Bruce Lipton, of all people. And he 
couches what needs to be changed in the world in humor. And he does it as the Swami. And he says, it's time to take humor seriously and seriousness humorously. And he's absolutely right. Because when people are so concerned, they'll, she thinks this is important. I'd better too. Instead of both of you having hiccups from laughing, which one are they going to remember? Right. I love it. All right. We have been talking a really long time, even though it went so quickly and we, we have to start wrapping up. Okay. What are some other wisdom nuggets that we didn't get to that you'd like to share with listeners before we start to wind down? Please have fun with this. Please know that we intuitives do not want to control your life, but geez, Louise, you know, when I'm in a psychic fair, four days in Canada, I read 70 people and do two lectures. And the only way I can do it is by completely putting my ego on the shelf and person after person being so focused on you. So wanting to help you, not wanting it all to be good for you, because that's a judgment, but wanting to be the exact right information you need. Pay fair to play fair. Uh, the fact that I can do this six days a week because it's my full-time living. So don't give me the line about, well, it's spiritual work. You should do it for free. All the people who used to do it for free, they were honored by their village and they brought them chickens and clothing and a horse. You're not doing that for me. And please go have fun with this. Don't be afraid. There is nothing to be afraid of. None. Yeah, I know. I agree with that. That's beautiful. That's all beautiful. Corby, thank you so much. If people want to reach out, find your books, work with you, where do they find you? How do they do that? Oh, they can't avoid me. Uh, the big thing is, of course, <laughs> go to my website, corbymidlie.com. That's got how to make appointments, 150 articles, and the doorways for my books, which you can all get on Amazon. All three are Kindle and paperback. Clean Out Your Life Closet, my first one on self-help, is an audiobook that I did. Beautiful. And we will have all of that in the show notes as well. Corby, thank you so much. This was so much fun. And I'm really grateful that I got to chat with you today and share your magic with our listeners. I had a blast. Thank you for asking me. Thank you. All right. And thanks everyone as always for tuning in and namaste. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope that you found joy, strength, inspiration, and clarity from today's episode. If you'd like to learn more and connect with an amazing group of like-minded souls, please join us over on Facebook in the Intuitive Connection Community Facebook group, where we explore these topics in deeper detail, have additional live teachings, and host Facebook Lives with our amazing guests. I hope to see you there. And of course, if you want to learn more about me or the work that I do, please check out my webpage, victoriashawintuitive.com. Thank you so much again and namaste. I'm Suzanne Giesman, and if you've ever wondered about life after death or if it's possible to connect with a higher consciousness, I invite you to join me for my podcast, Messages of Hope. It's my mission to share with you that our loved ones who have passed are always with us and we are so very loved. I want to teach you how to live a consciously connected and divinely guided life. Listen here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network.